0: Strategic planning is one of the most important and most misunderstood business processes. The word strategy shows up in just about every layer of an organization. Managers need to be good strategic thinkers, executives attend strategic retreats, and the boards of directors approves budgets that support a strategic plan. Often, strategic thinking and planning have become nothing more than goal setting. Additionally. Companies fail to see the relationship between company culture and the ability to implement innovative strategies. Nor is strategy making seen as the beginning of change management. So, what is strategic thinking and planning? The misconception about strategic planning is that it is an exercise to develop goals. A strategy is a hunch for the kind of value a company or team could provide. To win new business, that really has a lot to do with trusting one's intuition. Well, my next guest on the business of intuition is really an expert on not only strategic thinking and planning, but on the ability to get to those strategies quickly and efficiently. Simon Severino is a business owner who has developed a really wonderful process that he calls strategy sprints. He has helped many organizations help their sales increase and even soar. Trusted by Google, Roche, Consilience Ventures, and Amgen, he has created this wonderful strategy sprints process that has now become a popular book. He has actually been a TEDx speaker, contributed to Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, and he is a member of the SDBP. Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. Simon Severino on the Business of Intuition. Well, Simon, it's really delightful to have you on this show. And I understand that you were Italian. You came from Rome, and now you live in one of my most favorite cities on the planet, Vienna. In fact, as you and I were talking before we started this conversation, we We were just there and just absolutely love your town. So how did you go from Rome to Austria and Vienna? What was that about? How did that happen? I want to first clear the air about travel. Then we'll get into this whole topic around strategy and quick strategies and so forth. I
1: did fall in love when I was quite young with literature that was originally in German. So I was in love with Nietzsche. and Goethe, and um, Schopenhauer, and these kind of guys who were writing in German. And so I wanted to study them in their original language. Came here to do that. Then I did fall in love with a woman from Vienna. Ah. And now three kids later,
0: 20 years later, I'm still here. It's a lovely city. It's a fantastic city. Absolutely delightful. Just knowing that you were there Brings me back to our just incredible experiences there. So we, uh, we were talking before we got started around, you know, we're kind of entering into what appears to be a worldwide recession. There's, some, there's certainly a lot of ambiguity, and certainly a lot of concern about what's to come. And gosh darn it, we've already been through quite a bit already with a worldwide pandemic and all the uncertainty that that has also caused for people. But so now we have sort of another round of uncertainty. I know that you, in your podcast and, and the book that you have, you talk about being able to do strategy sprints. And I think about sprints in terms of like athletics, you know, running fast, getting something done quick. And I'm really captivated by that because in the work that we do around strategic planning, I've noticed that there is a tendency to sometimes make things more difficult or sometimes feel like it's going to take a lot of time. And because of that, perception that this is going to take a lot of time, we look at our calendars and we go, I don't have time for it. This is too costly to spend this amount of time on, on a strategy. So let's just get back to managing the day-to-day, doing the details of keeping the business running. And yet we'd never get out of firefighting. So explain this idea, Simon, if you would, around strategic sprints. And what does that mean? And how do we help teams and organizations maximize the speed of decision-making and strategy-making. I'm also one of those guys who says, no, I don't want to take hours of time to do
1: planning. Come on. Let's do stuff, right? Yeah, we are yeah. doers." Yeah, right. So I'm the same. And it happens that I'm a strategy advisor since 21 years. So I got to see different processes, long processes, short processes. I like the shorter ones. And I picked the shorter ones and I made them I made them even simpler. So last week we had an event with 45 of our clients together doing the goal setting for the next year. So we would do an annual planning and guess what? 45 people, 90 minutes, and that's it. Everybody left with a clear plan of their three years vision, annual goals broken down into quarterly activities, and clarified who does what in the team and then we we did a second round of double checking that each activity actually moves forward the parent activity so that we actually do only things that contribute to what we want to realize and that are really important and that was uh, so liberating right you have everything on one page you have spent 90 minutes
0: yes that's well invested time right so all right so this is interesting because on one hand a person would say Oh, that sounds fantastic, you know, uh, to get that kind of outcome so quickly. And then I think the, the, the naysayer would say, are we being too rash? Are we really exploring all of the important variables around any particular topic, you name whatever it is, that, that the deep thinking that comes from taking your time with something will often generate a, a, a new idea, that the surface ideas that often happen when we do something quickly are, are not are symptomatic, you know, they're, they're not very deep, they're, they're not very transformative. Respond to that idea. Yes. Where does
1: deepness lie? Deepness lies in the mix of thinking, doing, reflecting and then doing, reflecting, doing, reflecting, doing, reflecting. Now you sit down for 90 minutes, whoosh, you have enough information that you can download in, and, uh, and put to paper. So the strategy sprints method that I use and that our clients use is a daily habit, a weekly habit and a monthly habit. And the idea is to have this very short planning moments, review moments, strategy moments. Because then the action is where you collect information. So information will stick onto your body, and then you sit down and you collect this information and say, what what did I collect here? Oh, it's this. Okay, that's the pattern. So basically you don't need perfect information. You need a pattern and you need your assumption. The difference between planning and strategy. Planning is a list of activities. Strategy has an assumption. This is how we are going to win the game. And that assumption, nobody knows, is never precise. And you have never data. You cannot have data. So Elon Musk right now, he thinks he can improve Twitter. Nobody knows. It's a bet. It's a bet. And how is he doing it? Quickly gathering information, doing something, seeing if it works, doing it again, re-engineering. And speed is key in that process. And that's why he's a very good strategist. You might think of him and his posts, whatever, whatever you want. I don't like his posts because I'm losing money as a Tesla shareholders with every post, All but right. as a strategist, I think he, he actually uses the strategist Prince method, it's quick data gathering, quick engineering, building something, then using it, seeing if it works, otherwise building it better but it's more building than actually planning he's not planning a lot there is one big vision let's make this planet a smarter energy place and that's it and the rest is just really building testing building testing building better
0: and you really i would i'm glad you got to this because i was going to ask you about this just so that our listeners have that particular definition as as a strategy is different than a plan you're making the distinction that a strategy is a hunch. It's a bet. It's not based necessarily on fact. And then the plan itself, or we might go into tactics and so forth, is the way in which to implement that particular hunch into actions and roles and tactics, etc. Do I have that correct? Absolutely. Okay. And that's
1: a very intuitive process. The vision process, this is what we do in week one of each sprint. The sprint is 12 weeks. Week one is a very intuitive vision creation process where it's audio and it's, and it's music and it's writing it down. And in the end, it's a PDF of six pages where you describe in three years, how do your people look like, your team, you, your life, the impact that you have on people. So it's like a little movie. And Anything? the PDF and an audio thing that you will listen to in the morning, in your morning ritual. That's week one is quite intuitive vision work. Mm. From week two, we break that down into a dashboard with three numbers. That's And that's what I love. I love to come from integrity, from spirit, from you know, what is alive in you. you. I guess you might call it intuition from what do you want to drive forward? And what's real right now for you. Um, that's the, the driving force. And I want to be as free as possible and as quick as possible, just be driven by that every day. And we entrepreneurs, we are forces of nature. You don't have to do anything. That's how we are wired. The next step, and that's why we need the process. The next step is. Not to lose this energy, not to let it dissipate, not to start too many different things that don't build upon each other because otherwise you burn out, you get distracted, and then time is over and you didn't build it. So the process is daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. Daily habit how did I allocate my time today? What will I delegate or automate tomorrow? Weekly habit the one marketing number, the one sales number, the one operations number of this week that tells me if we are bringing the vision to life this week, right now. Monthly habit, half an hour, strategic analysis, what are competitors doing, what are the two features where we are winning against them, what are the two features where we are losing against them, how can we um, cut 15% expenses from the two where we are losing and reinvest them next month into the two features where we are currently winning, because we're going to crush it. And we have a more defendable position. This is what you want to have. When you say strategic advantage, that means nobody can
0: eat your lunch, you can eat their lunch. That's the (laughs) best strategic position. So you mentioned uh, sales and so forth. Uh, Is your process also appropriate for, say, a member of a team who lives and works within a large organization? They're not part of a sales team. They are, I don't know, they can be manufacturing, they can be healthcare, they can be a nonprofit, what have you, but but a much larger, not smaller company. Does it work on that size organization as well? It works on all sizes. We are famous for
1: having four people in a sprint team. So a sprint team is one owner, uh, is owner of the country or the product or the firm. And then, which in a smaller firm is usually the founder. Uh And then but also one person from operations, one from sales and one from marketing. So we want to have these four perspectives every week because that's the dashboard. So the salesperson will report the sales number of that week and marketing and operations will do the same. And the owner is there for the overall spirit and uh, for growth uh, tasks. And of course, hiring, firing, vision, and performance systems. So. Everybody has their, their role in a sprint, and now we are holistic. Now we are looking at the whole thing. The reason is I've done enough projects in my career that were not that holistic. And so if you improve just marketing, but it is not related to sales and operations, you are actually just improving a local optimum, but not, you are not improving the whole firm. So think of a football team, if you just improve defense, you are not going to win anything. Right, if you right. just improve offense, you
0: are not going to win. So, and so I understand the need for the right members, that you would have certain people from different perspectives be a part of a sprint team, and you said there's four people that would normally be a part of that sprint team for 12 weeks. I want to, again, so it's, a, it's a large organization. Let's just take an example. Let's say that uh-huh. we, have, we do a fair amount in healthcare. And let's say I'm a, I'm a chief nursing officer for the hospital, and there's a 510 hospital system. There is so many different moving parts, even within a hospital. You know, yeah. How do we then build out the team, uh, the sprint team of four, in an organization that is so matrixed and is so large that nurse manager, that that CNO may have not have any connection directly to sales and marketing because they're not really a sales run organization, right? Their sales are determined by, you know, a lot of different other factors that have insurance companies and so forth, and people walking in the door with you know smelly noses. You know, how do we then build out the team in a say a nursing department within a large healthcare system? We did sprint the merger of two
1: private run hospitals uh in europe and one thing was they never thought from the perspective of the patient so they had built a whole building and they and they had processes but they didn't call them processes so i said okay let me just walk through i'm a patient let me just walk through and put the camera on here and i showed them how the experience is and mm-hmm. then I, show, I cut the video into a 10-minute thing, and then I showed them, look, I'm coming in. And so we brought together the team of four, and I said, look, this is the experience as a patient here. I come in, I, I'm half naked that I have to go through the okay. defibrillation room where I think that I'm going to die. And then they put me on something where I look to the ceiling, and the ceiling is ugly all the time. You have put a lot of love into the walls, but I don't see the walls because I'm lying. You're on your back. Yeah. I'm on my back. And so they were like, oh my God, we never thought this way. Mm. And then we, we looked at the different perspectives and said, all right, how does this inform now? What's the right thing for you to do and for you to do and for you to do? And you know, you cannot think nurses without thinking also doctors and you cannot think nurses without thinking also patients. So the same thing happened there. We brought together this main perspective that were so vital because otherwise you will never create a great experience for the patient, which is what the hospital is to do.
0: So would you literally ultimately be great if you could, but I'm thinking about the practicality, have a patient on one of your sprint teams
1: you don't need to we you don't need to cuz you know they it, it's not such a great experience for them you don't need to but you will empathize enough so okay the right team if you have a nurse a doctor somebody who is really in the operations of that they have enough experience day to day contact and they know exactly the words the feelings they have empathy enough so what we will create in the team is enough empathy just from thinking about what what happened today what did they say yeah. what did they need what did they get what will they tell others when they get home got it would they send so their I, children here right so you might say okay, would they you send would their a... children here to work
0: why got it. why not right yeah i could see how this works so so i'm I'm, got, I'm off the idea that you have to have sales and marketing as being a part of your sprint team because in some cases that may not be necessarily needed. But I could see, like, in a healthcare situation, you could have the, the nurse, the potentially the doctor, maybe the care coordinator, maybe a scheduler, others who are uh, so vitally important to that patient experience. And you would create the team based on, on that. I like it a lot. So you mentioned sort of, you know, at one point around the... I'm assuming that this is going to have to have a, a certain amount of sponsorship within a company to make this work. Tell me more about the CEO. You know, you had mentioned you know in the materials that you had sent me before this conversation around you know certain kinds of habits that CEOs need to have in order to to be as effective as possible what are those habits in your perspective because there's been a lot written about that what's your take on really strong CEO habits
1: i think habits is what really helps you when stuff gets tough so if 95% is not in your control and i think that's the normal day of somebody who runs a business, 95% right. is not in your control. So we think the sales numbers are in our control. They're not. Um, employee fluctuation is not in your control. Supply chain that you are getting the materials that you need, is not in your control. 95% is not in your control. So what the heck is in our control? Yeah. This is where my three habits come in. The only three things that are in my control is My response to how I allocate my time and attention, that's a daily habit. What the three things are that I measure every seven days, that's the Sprint Dashboard. And how do I rebudget based on where we are winning, more into that, and based on where we are losing, less into that. That's the monthly strategy habit. So I have a daily habit where I review how I'm allocating my time, what can I do better. What can I delegate to a software, to a person next? What can I cut? What can I automate? And this is a wonderful question. I've automated so many things over the last five years. It's incredible. And I cannot even code. So I'm a no-code person, a no-tech person. Right. And I've automated half of the the things that I do, 100% of the things that I hate doing, and 100% of the things that I'm bad at doing. And also some things where I, we can do just much more now. So that's just a daily habit because it's always in my control. Whatever happens outside, you know, th- I have a war 600 kilometers from here. What is in my control? In my control is how I respond to that. When I wake up right. tomorrow, it's in my control what I do in the first
0: hour, the second hour, the third hour. Right. That's right. always in my control. I like the, also the habit around reallocating time and resources to those things that are quote-unquote winning and then taking away from those things that are not i think that's an interesting point where we sort of get stuck in this is the plan we just got to stick with it and we're thinking about it from a yearly perspective maybe quarterly perspective and we keep doing the things that don't work and wonder why don't they work (laughs) and of course this is this is the reason why we keep supporting that which we don't even no, which we know is not working very well. But I think the other piece is important is we gotta, we've got to be able to have some sort of a dashboard that says, thumbs up, thumbs down. Is this, is this working is not working? And, and, and I think that the perspective, tell me what your thought is, is that we get so automated in our behaviors that we don't take a step back and go, wait a minute, this isn't working anymore. We should be doing something else. We don't go strategic. We just stay so focused on the tactical, almost like robots without a mind for the bigger picture that we then wonder why things are not working while we're so burned out and that we're not we're not reallocating to the things that work and taking away from things that don't let's give
1: everybody permission right now we officially give you the permission to stop everything that's boring to stop everything that's not working you are allowed to do that (coughs) There actually, there are only two things that you have to do. That's product and sales. That's it. So what is product? Whatever you deliver, right? Whatever you're good at, that's a delivery. You have to do a little bit of that every day and, and you have to, you have to get clients or patients or, or however you call the people that you are here to serve, right? So you have to serve people. Yeah. That's sales. That's sales. It's so there for these sure. are the only two things. And actually, there is only one project that you need at a given time. I see people with 30 projects, 20 projects when we coach them. You actually need only one project at a time. You need one process and one project. The process is awareness, interest, engagement, closing, delivering, retaining. That's the only process that you need. And in each bucket, these are six buckets. In each bucket, you need just one activity. You write it down. You do just that. And you write it down. You you delegate it. You hand it over. And then everybody just does that. That's the process. Now, from time to time, one of those conversions from this bucket to that bucket will lower, will not work. So when that is low, you need one project. One at a given time, we take seven days. But you can take a month or whatever the time is that you need to just improve that one conversion. Fair. For example, you have an awareness activity that is, I don't know, being on podcasts. And then you have an engagement activity, people fill out a a quiz. And let's say you get a ton of people into the quiz, but from the quiz, they don't become clients. So that is the conversion weakness of this week. We call it the bottleneck. There's always one bottleneck process, the weakest part. You actually need only one project and that project is called improve the conversion from quiz to client. And you just do that. Can be a month or two weeks or one week. If you have a sprint coach, it's faster. Yeah, You just solve that. And when you have solved that, you start the next project, improving the next bottleneck. Mm. If you want to have a simple life and run a good business, you can have it. Great
0: point. You mentioned the podcast. Tell us about yours. (laughs) I started a podcast
1: where I share my journey as an entrepreneur and all the mistakes that I do and the things that I learn along the way and the cool people that I meet along the way. Uh, It's called strategy sprints. I interview people and say, how did you build this? And how did you scale this? And they tell me their stories. And then at some point, one of my mastermind participants, Ali, who is an amazing YouTuber, he said, Simon, you're doing everything wrong in your YouTube. I said, "Ah, Ali, come on, this sounds like work. (laughs) I guess you are right. Okay, what should I do? And he said, oh, you have to split it. Interviews on one channel and uh, your teachings. your short monologues on another channel. I said, Ah. Holly, but then it's double the amount of work. Twice the work, right. Yeah, yeah, but he was right. So now I have a a second channel. It's called Simon Severino, where it's just 10 minutes of me teaching one thing, like how do you Ah. do CRM or how to improve a particular part of sales or marketing or um, how to hire people, something practical. That channel is called Simon Severino. This is where I prepare for it. The I share. So I do it both on YouTube and then the okay. audio, I do it primarily on YouTube, but the audio gets also distributed on all audio
0: platforms. Oh, I get it. That's a great idea. It's a great idea, actually. Wonderful. Well, Simon, it's been really great to meet you and talk with you. How can people follow you, connect with you, learn more about your work? So I just wrote a book. It's called strategy sprints and
1: people can get the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit from there. There are also some of the templates that people can can download They're open source. They can find them at
0: strategiesprints.com. And, um, yeah, this is also where you can find me and my team. Fantastic. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I know it's probably what, 7.30 PM your time over there in, in Vienna. And, uh, it's just a delight to get to know you and learn more about your process. And uh, really, I wish you the best of success in your business. Thank you. This is the time in where we go and, and
1: dance the waltz. <laughs> there you go. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to The Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you'd like to learn more about dean or mission facilitators leadership go to mfileadership.com that's mfileadership.com